Ladies and gentlemen, Crystal Clear Industries, in association with Rhinestone Radio Podcasts, is proud to present Old Hollywood Realness. Brought to you in vibrant podcastoscope for your listening pleasure. Join your hosts Kathleen Null and Philip Estrada as they recap Hollywood's dazzling darlings one film at a time. And now, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Frosted window panes. There's magic in the air. Cotton candy canes. <laughs> I actually don't know the words this song, but I do love Christmas waltz. It's one of my favorite songs from Christmas. You just love Christmas. You're you're a Christmas uh, queen. Not really. I'm more of a Christmas carol queen. Like I'm like I get super stressed out about buying gifts and stuff like that because I never know what to get anybody. But I do enjoy the um the shiny part of Christmas. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Like you're really like you you really enjoy like playing the Christmas mm-hmm. music and yeah. having like the elf on the shelf and the queen on the seat. <laughs> you enjoy like having an actual tree yeah, like it's, it's you're pretty no, you're into I it that part of it i am i'm into the uh, presentation of christmas more than i am the actual yes, act of christmas yeah. um i have no interest in seeing my family i have no interest in eating no turkey. no you're interested in the positive yeah. parts of, of like mm-hmm. you know you turn that frown yeah. upside down when it comes to holidays yeah and i love a good <laughs> i love a good drag queen burlesque christmas show and i yeah, love a good yeah. um you know i love a good sequin and rhyme stoned affair an <laughs> ugly sweater party if you will you know those sort of things yeah. i love um been yeah. rocking out to the uh, judy garland pandora station for christmas music all oh, this goodness. entire month practically so it's been good good that's times. awesome even to the point of where i'm listening to it at work sometimes <laughs> you know just to well as calm one the does stress. you're just getting in the holiday spirit yeah. um there's only so much you can do of uh, All I Want for Christmas by Mariah Carey, because I feel like that's where you walk in and it's just like you're either hearing all of it, the tail end of it, or the beginning yeah, of it somewhere. That's enough, really. That's enough, Miss Carey. We're, we're, we're good. Um, how, how have you been, Kathleen? It's been a while since we've recorded because it's we banked some episodes. Uh, yeah, I, I'm doing great. Yeah. Legit. I am doing great. Did you want to announce anything? Yeah, I moved. (laughs) (laughs) I no longer live in the Portland area. I now I moved to California, Southern California for a new job and I guess new beginnings and doing something I've always wanted to do, which was come back here. And so I did it. I did a thing and it's great. (laughs) And I feel great. Thank you. Uh, uh, welcome back, and you're Hollywood adjacent. <laughs> yes, I quite literally Hollywood adjacent. Yes, I love it. Fantastic. I love it. I love being by the beach. I love looking at palm trees. I love wearing flip flops on Christmas. Yay. So, when I know. well, that's wonderful. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. Couldn't be more happy. Yeah, it's been yeah. great. And luckily, we're still in the same time zone, so we can still manage to record I podcasts. Know. <laughs> I know we're a little bit farther away, but hopefully not for long. So you know, we got yes. goals. Um, we know how to move them. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, or use them. I don't know. Yes, we got goals. We know how to use them. <laughs> Everybody back up. Um, 
how caffeinated are we? I think that's where we need to take a yes. moment. <laughs> um, yes, pretty caffeinated. Um, we are here, though, because this is old Hollywood realness. This is yes. the podcast where we celebrate all the glitz and glamour of Tinseltown's golden era. That's I'm right. Philip Estrada. I'm Kathleen Hall. Um, and uh, so we're here to, to have our Christmas episode. You know, jingle Yay! bells and all that crap. Um, Merry Christmas. Yay. So we're talking about the movie that was voted on uh, in our Facebook group, um, the OHR Podcast Darlings. Yes. So you guys voted, um, you guys and gals. Mm-hmm. And um, we voted for Holiday Affair from 1949. Yay. <laughs> this is... Um, this is an RKO joint. Um, mm-hmm. It's directed by Don Hartman. And we got um, in the main cast, we have Robert Mitchum as Steve Mason. Janet Lee as Connie Ennis. Wendell Corey as Carl Davis. Um, Gordon Gebert as the um, you know, precocious Timmy Ennis. We got um, mm-hmm. Griff Bar- Barnett as Mr. Ennis. Esther Dale as Mrs. Ennis. Um, Henry O'Neill as the uh, store owner, Mr. Crowley. Uh, Henry Morgan from MASH fame plays pl- uh, the police lieutenant yeah. I mean <laughs> wow um, and uh, Larry J. Blake plays the plainclothes policeman um, the costumes from yep. this movie um, are credited to Howard Greer as Miss Lee's gowns and then um, that's pretty much it for the credits um, there wasn't just like a general mm. costumes credit for that it was just Miss Lee's gowns um, Kathleen history with this film thoughts initial oh thoughts feelings <laughs> Uh, first of all, zero history of this movie, and I just want to thank everybody for suggesting this beautiful gift. <laughs> this is this movie is amazing. It might it might be like my favorite Christmas oh, movie. Oh, wonderful! Like honestly, because this hit me right in the feels. <laughs> it was so good, and it was I had no idea this beautiful little gem existed. So it's really really good. I I was so impressed. Yeah. <laughs> this is so good. I loved it, loved it, and I plan to watch it again. I have it rented in our Amazon library, and. Uh, so get in yeah. there, watch it, <laughs> Philip and Monica, because I know you're listening and sharing my Amazon library. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Classic. Um, uh, yeah, I hadn't actually seen this movie before either. I did. Um, I was just looking through a list of movies and was just seeing what was available for streaming and that sort of thing. Yeah. And, uh, this one was up there. So um, and was everyone. I mean, this one won by a landslide on the on the vote. So oh my gosh. Was, you so know. good and so fun to read about yeah. and uh, just everything about it. it. Wow. What a great, great movie. Thanks, yeah. guys. Thanks, everybody. Um, so my, I mean, I thought it was really adorable. I loved the um, the through line of the the choo, of the uh, choo choo train of the uh, yes. of the toy train. Oh, I don't know God, why. I, I just thought it. that was so whimsical and cute. And um, uh, so cute. And then as I watched it for the first time, I was just like, "Good God, Robert Mitchum is gorgeous!" <laughs> like, could <gasps> not goodness. take my eyes off of that low key bro. Like yeah. he was so yeah, he's so low key and like obviously so naturally good with kids. Like he had such a good rapport. You're just like, oh, good Lord. what is that? <laughs> hey, sup, <laughs> sup, queen. <laughs> Yeah. So overall, I thought it was, I, I had a really good time watching this. It was really just kind of like a, it was oh, a yeah. warm and fuzzy movie. It just, you it know, was. it was cute and adorable. And I hate to use the word simple because that doesn't really explain it. It's just, it wasn't like lavish, but it, it, it like lavish of costume, I guess, or sets right, or whatever. Yeah. It was like a small little movie, but man, it packed a punch as far as story and like quality of acting. And, um, and I thought the costumes were wonderful. Like they definitely, like uh 
really uh, helped give the story, like tell the story about all the characters. Mm-hmm. And um, can we just talk about children's looks? I was I was so bowled over. I, I felt more um, sort of, I guess, distracted or impressed by all the, because um, you see a lot of uh, shots of children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're all in these really cute clothes that are like like the 1940s kids. And they're sort of these cute outerwear and little hats and little shoes. And I mean, they look so so cute. Yes, I, <laughs> and I'm not, like, we don't have kids, but I'm like, damn, you guys are looking great. Yeah, I loved Tibby's <laughs> little outfit when he went back to the uh, oh my God. went back to the, the department store and he was wearing that little like clearly. Dude, it's like a. I think it's Pony Express. Something. I was like looking at the patches and stuff. And it's like, it's like cowboy. Like <laughs> it cowboy. was cow- cowboy. cowboy chic. And like only a kid, <laughs> a child chic. could get away with wearing that where it's like a jacket. It was like with, a varsity jacket, but with, with fringe. Across the back and down the <laughs> sleeves. Like, come on. I mean, you know. Hey, hey Philip. Yeah, your <laughs> no, I just, that's the kind of jacket you just want to wear and like shimmy in all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, that is actually, that is actually one of my favorite looks <laughs> is when he goes to the store and he's got his jacket and that cute little hat oh, i love God. those tiny little like cowl type hats that they they were like these sculpted wool hats mm-hmm. that boys and girls wore at that they time like i think they're so cute yeah, yeah. they're so cute yeah they're like skull caps but and i guess they make sense because they've got a cute little chin strap and it's like well if you're playing and moving around you don't lose your hat that way but it's like see if you were wearing that as an adult you'd be like that's creepy but as a kid it's adorable mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> So there were definitely a lot of, I don't know, I just love those little details that are just so distinctive to um, kids' clothes because as somebody who has done kids' clothes for years, like uh, I really loved seeing the mix of, um, especially with like Timmy, but other kids, I love seeing how um, you you saw elements that were clearly like little mini-me adult versions of the clothes, like the pants and the shoes were like like little man pants, little man shoes and lady shoes. But, but then there were other things that were distinctively childlike, like their hats or like, let's talk about Timmy's shirt. Don't you just love the Timmy shirt? Graphic graphic tee. It's a graphic. (laughs) And And I'm like, I didn't even know they did graphic tees back then. And it's like, uh, I want Timmy's shirt. says Timmy. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, it's like a cowboy lassoing and it's, and his name is inside the lasso. It's so cute. (laughs) It's really cute. I loved his little, outfits and because it's like change into a clean shirt and he puts on that sassy number <laughs> honestly i loved him i thought he was the funniest kid Timmy he was so good in this movie and he had that like so good he, like he was like did that thing where there was something about him where his upper lip always stuck straight out like he had like, yeah. this weird little like duck lip and little duck face <laughs> It was so cute. And like, there was also another one where he, um, I think he got, um, what was it when the, um, when Carl yelled at him and like they, um, mm-hmm. Janet Lee got, John, you know, Connie got all, they got in a fight and he, Carl, yeah. Carl ended up storming out. And for some reason, the little kid, Timmy, had this shit eating grin on his face like he did it on purpose. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> he was like, get out of here, Timmy, with this. I can't. Timmy's made his choice. He's I'll just clearly, put it that way. Yeah, he is straight up Team Robert Mitchum. It's out of control. Yeah. Um, oh my God. He was so funny. I could not get it now for uh, this so cute so good yeah no timmy was great like uh, i feel like he he was uh because there were parts about him that were pretty mature and um you know you got the idea it's like they're kind of their whole story kind of comes from, comes from tragedy mm-hmm. she's a war right. widow his he, he probably never really knew his dad she's obviously very very young um i think that she was like 22 when she did this movie but i she looks younger to me i'm just like okay 
she looks so young and then her boy is like six years old so i'm like were you married at like 16 17 and had this kid like i'm already mathing it out like wow it's like really but that would have been possible at that time you know i guess um and then she's like really friendly i guess those are her in-laws right they're grandma grandpa those aren't her parents those are her her, yeah her husband's parents you know so and they're all super close and they're totally for i loved that what they were wearing and um, they were totally from another era like almost like like you could tell even age-wise like their era was like the edwardian times like these people were alive because even talks like we've been together 35 years and i was like so that was in the aughts yeah. you guys got together in the aughts and like been together ever since and like that would have been when you guys were young and they kind of have that way about them that's a little more formal and like even the way they were dressed and how they refer to each you, other as the, mother and father how they were, I know, oh my gosh when he does that toast to her i got Aww. misty i thought that was so sweet like there's some the lines in the dialogue in this movie are so sweet and kind of real and like oh it's just so good it they felt like even i guess in the delivery and everything it did every this movie is so warm and i love it that's what makes it a holiday movie it's like it's a warm movie on a cold day Mm -hmm. it's just so good exactly oh it's wonderful (laughs) Um, so I do, I did think this was interesting. I was watching, I actually ended up watching this on TCM. Um, oh yeah, I'm sorry. What is your history? Oh, I was telling, yeah, this is this. So this was the first time I saw it for the podcast. Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it clearly. And, um, uh, and I did watch the intro, um, with, um, (laughs) with Ben Mankiewicz and, um, classic movies. And, um, he was interviewing a guy who wrote basically like a TCM book about like the anthology of all the Christmas movies and all this stuff. But they were talking Mm -hmm. about how the movie had come out in 49, which was two years after miracle on 34th street. And since that was such a huge smash success, they RKO wanted to just kind of, um, piggyback on that so that's why there's so many mm-hmm. themes that are kind of the similar to um to miracle on 34th street so it was sort of like kind of a reverse engineered film in a way where um yeah. you know single mother you know child that kind of like is driving the story as well and then also the theme yeah. the theme of having a department store involved as well that's why crowley's was such a mm-hmm. huge piece of it and that a lot of the action took place in the in the department store so they tried to yeah. it was sort of like and a lot of allusions were made to Miracle on 34th Street, which I, after, you know, when they pointed that out, I did notice that, which I thought was interesting. Um, I did get that vibe mm-hmm. in watching it, but I wasn't mad at no. it. Like, it still kind of was like, it still felt different because I feel like Miracle on 34th Street is so lavish. Like, that that's a rich girl, yes. right? Like she lives right? in New York. She's like, She's like that's like yeah. a penthouse apartment lady. I honestly don't even remember what the mother's job was in that film. I think she did. She worked for Macy's or something. I thought she was like a, a buyer. Something. Oh, God. We're, we'll have to watch we're that. We're terrible Return, people, you guys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen that one. <laughs> it's been but, a long um, time since I've watched that. Yeah. It's not, I'm not saying it's a bad movie, but it's just, it's yep. been a while. Um, but yeah. yeah, and this movie is just, I think this is just a smaller, more humbler movie. And less mm-hmm. of like, a, oh, oh, agree. So, and I think it's that's what's very pared yeah, down. And I think that's what's really cute about it. And I think that that having like yeah. the neighbor upstairs and that creepy little kid as his best friend, <laughs> as Timmy's best friend, well, and like the yes, lady and, who. And it also had who, a, um, it had a very heavy World War Two vibe. Yeah, too. you know what I mean. Like you can definitely you you felt this like this Paul of the war. Like he talks about being in service. Like Robert Mitchum's character talks about being in service. Yeah. You find out that she's a widow. Uh, from the war like you know so this this boy's never known her dad and she lives in the past he even brings that up like she's you get the idea even though i was when i thought about this like 
you get these little ideas. It's almost like she's she's still wearing her clothes from that time. She's still wearing her hair like it what from that time. And you know, she's kind of like stuck in some ways in that mid forties. Right. Like she hasn't really moved on. And and she does look very young. Like she has that look of like I don't know. To me, doesn't she look like she's like 19, 18, 19? Yeah, I could never tell with old films. I always feel like everyone either looks like they're yeah. you know, a child or they're 40. You know, and it's like there's just they kind yeah. of everyone. I mean, don't get has, me wrong. They get her in the. Yeah, they, they just. Well, they have her in that bullet bra oh, I mean, and yeah, stuff. I and mean, so. apparently, I mean, <laughs> she was the queen of the bullet bra. Well, back definitely in, in this film. But still, her face looks so young to yes. me. Like, I don't well, know. I wonder if the bullet bra, too, was just because it was an RKO film. And this was kind of the same period that. Um, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, and Howard Hughes was creeping on yeah, her hard. Right? I don't know. I honestly don't know his relationship to Janet Lee, but I just because I think she was actually on loan uh, from yeah. her current from the studio that she was with. So, but I just yeah. just knowing that, um, you know, that Howard Hughes loved a good bullet bra, which so you could, yeah. you know, she does kind of fit his profile of something he'd creep on. Yeah. But you know, not everybody, not everybody, I guess. Went, went, took the deal, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> so, who knows? Yes. Um, oh, but. What a tough time to be a lady. <laughs> Sorry, but like, <laughs> it's. Um, anyway, but it, it, I don't know. She seemed to do good in this movie. I didn't get a creepy yeah. vibe in this movie, at least from the two male, uh, I guess, protagonists. Like, and I also thought was really great was that they both were good guys. Mm-hmm. You know, like Wendell Wendell Corey's character, who I only know really from being um, uh, James Stewart's best friend, detective best friend from Rear Window, oh. and he was great in that too. Yeah, I had not made that connection. Um, but he did that. Like, that must have been like at least five or six years later. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe less, but, uh, but he was great in this movie. And I love that he's like a genuinely good guy, but he's like a lawyer and he thinks he's got like life figured out and mapped out as to like how things will be and make him happy. And it's like, and it doesn't go according to that way. And he, it was cool. It's like, he moves on, but he's not a dick. Yeah. Like he, sometimes these people that are like the ones that get jilted they're they become like the asshole in the movie and he doesn't, he remains like a good guy, yeah. you know, which is cool. Like. Yeah. I think there's not a lot of there's yeah I think that that's sort of the the good thing about this movie is no one there's not a lot yeah. of like tension and stuff and there's not a lot of people that you can actually go and dis- dislike which I think is nice yeah this. I wonder for, if this is what like Hallmark movies are I like am, like nobody's really a douche yeah. I don't know I've never watched I mean, one never so watched <laughs> got yourself lucky <laughs> but this feels has a very sort of like I mean Hallmarkian feel but it's kind of nice that it's not but you also have some big names in it too with like Robert Mitchum and stuff and so yeah and yeah. you get to you know you get to swoon over Robert Mitchum for an hour and a half which is Dude, <laughs> what a specimen what, what exactly exactly <laughs> could not have well, put it more, more succinctly. Than. I loved reading about, like, again, this was a fun movie to research because of, like, the time it was made. And this was when he was busted for possession mm-hmm. of marijuana. Just a year earlier. And that's really what I knew about yeah. him was that I was like, that dude smoked weed. <laughs> you know, like, that's pretty much. He was, he and was then a hophead. <laughs> and then, oh, and the other thing I knew, and this was a story. I feel like, like, my mom always, my mom would tell me this story. And I feel like this is one of those stories that only people who maybe, like, grew up in Southern California, sort of like a six degrees of separation. You're like, well, I heard this and I heard this thing. And apparently he was married to his wife, like from like 1940 until he died. So he he just, he had the same wife and they got married really young. And he was still kind of like a get about at the time. (laughs) And uh, she wasn't really sure if if she really wanted to, you know, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to commit with being with this guy, but he was like, 
he, you know, in in order to prove he was a good guy, he's like, stick with me, baby, and you'll be farting through silk. <laughs> and apparently that's that's the rumor, is that's what he told her. Oh, and they were together ever since. Naturally. <laughs> and then, oh, say no and then I had another, <laughs> right? Um, um, and then my sister, she reminded me, um, we had another Robert Mitchum story. This was like um, years ago, we drove from Houston to LA and naturally we had to like stop we were like okay we're gonna stop in some sort of like iconic city it's either gonna be like we 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 thought either roswell or tombstone and naturally we went we chose tombstone we go there for the day it's amazing we're like walking around we end up going to this one like old saloon and there's like old dudes that live there that look like real cowboys (laughs) and i later found out a lot of these were actually like retired extras from like the movie industry and they like live out there like like cowboys i don't know they do their thing and I, i don't know so we ended up talking to this guy. He was Native American. He was this older, older guy. And he was talking to us and telling us that he used to be an extra in the movies in California. Mm-hmm. And he was in uh, he was an extra in movies with Robert Mitchum. And he said that the story goes, I don't know if this is true or not, but like he said that when he was in jail and, and my sister was like, I think he said he was in jail with him. So I don't oh. know. Well, <laughs> who knows? But that he he spent time in jail and he said he was super boring. And uh, after he left, he he got TVs installed in the jail that he was at. He paid to have TVs put in because they had nothing to do. And like it was so boring in there. (laughs) Wow. Must be nice. (laughs) Yeah. But it's weird. Nothing like uh, sitting down and randomly talking to some old dude who wants who tell who they're like gives you that beautiful gift of I used to work in the movies. <laughs> Let me tell you some stories. Nice. You're like, say what? <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. So pretty cool. That's so awesome. <laughs> but he seems like he was a really cool guy. Like I love his story of how he's like he was like working and I think he got he had like a nervous breakdown from just stress and then he started doing like extra work. Oh yeah. Just as like a way to make money. It wasn't. And he's always kind of known as being um, like not really thinking about it too much. Like his whole thing is like, look, I show up on time. I do a job and I leave. I don't like, you know, I don't go into the minutia of acting and like struggle about it. He's like, it's not a struggle. I go, it's like, this is awesome. This is a great job. I could be digging ditches, but I'm doing this. So he always had a very like, I don't want to say blase, but he always had a very kind of like sort of simple outlook on being an actor, right. you know, he, he wasn't impressed and, by the, is, uh, he wasn't sort of like dazzled by it to the point where it like drove him crazy. Yeah. He didn't go the Joan Crawford I mean, route. <laughs> no, he went like the Harrison Ford route of sort of like, well, it's, I'm not building houses anymore. And this is pretty yeah. all right. I'll just show up on time. Say but, my lines. but he did a lot more. I mean, he did like music and writing. Like Robert Mitchum was uh, a really interesting dude. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to watch more Me of his too. movies. That's and for I sure. Just, I, this is actually probably one of the first movies I can point to of actually seeing Robert Mitchum. He wasn't really on my Hollywood radar. Um, and yeah, as, me neither. As much as someone like, you know, fucking, you know, Dick Powell or something. Uh, but, well, and as, as much as you love Rod Taylor shirtless, yeah. you would think that you would have at least Googled Robert Mitchum shirtless. <laughs> you do. Or have you? I don't think I did. <laughs> the minute I watched this movie, I was like... Cause that that man has a barrel yes, chest. He's got a very, <laughs> he's got an odd shaped rib cage. Good for him. But he's doing it. You know, he's living his. He lived his life. Um, no plastic surgery yeah, on that dude. I, mean, I don't know how you would. But anyway, um, it's he's he makes for he he cuts a fine figure as they would say. So yeah, um, 
I definitely enjoyed it. I can't wait to watch more Robert Mitchum films. Um, For sure. Like his Westerns and stuff like that. um, There's some looks. Yes, really. I want to see that one where he um, has the knuckle tattoos of love and hate. I forget what that one's called. Oh my gosh, that's Cape Fear. Is it Cape Fear? There's one. Isn't no, it? there's one that he um he has like he's dressed like a cowboy, almost like a um, Colonel Sanders with the black. It's the Colonel Sanders outfit, but it's all black, <laughs> and he's got yeah. Hmm. Probably someone's screaming at their phone right now, just thinking about what movie this is. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but any hoozy. Yeah, um, he's it's weird because like he's so good in this movie. He's totally like he's like the ultimate awesome yeah stepdad he's like the you know dude. and he's like this but man he dude. can play a he can play a real weirdo too and it's just no. uh he, he had range yes. yeah he's the dude he's... Oh my god i just watched the big lebowski the other day for the first time oh. in years and my god it still holds oh, up good. makes me laugh so yeah. much yeah. um the, the movie i was thinking of is night of the hunter from 1955 oh yes okay Thank you, google <laughs> so i'll definitely watch that eventually so put that on the list to you. Um, yeah. So uh, I actually did want to, um, I did a little bit of, so stats on his sort of arrest. Um, Cause I wanted to make sure oh, we had all yeah. the details on that. So he was arrested Seriously. in September of 1948 and this film came out in 1949. And this was sort of a movie to sort of rehabilitate his, um, his image with the, um, with America. But I think every, mm-hmm. it turned out to be, it didn't really work, but what I think, Every they were saying on TCM is that his career actually was helped by his marijuana arrest because everyone already yep. saw him as a bad boy. So they were just like, hey, it's on brand. Like they, they were on board with yeah. it. Um, so he was arrested with an actress named Leela um, Leeds. And um, apparently the, um, the arrest was, well, according to Wikipedia, uh, the arrest was a result of a sting operation. Uh, Mitchum ended up serving a week in the county jail. Uh, he described the experience to a reporter as being, quote, like Palm Springs but without the riffraff um he was sentenced <laughs> to 43 days at a prison farm uh he life uh, ma- life magazine photographers were permitted to take photos of him mopping up the prison in uniform um huh. which i'm like okay <laughs> that seems this is, sounds like something right out of like la confidential yeah. and like I you know what i mean did, like the tabloids I think they set did it reference up. that um yeah uh the and then the conviction was later um overturned in 1951 after it was exposed that the whole thing was a setup and it was um it was entra- considered entrapment so he ended up getting that um reversed so there you go 19 what are you gonna do um yeah there was a couple other things. I um, I went back to the um, costume designer's Bible, creating the illusion from the TCM mm-hmm. catalog as gifted to um, us by uh, Vince and Rosemary Keenan. I went and read a little bit about yes. Howard Greer and his um, mm-hmm. his uh, his career. So he started in the silent era. Um, a long, long time ago designing costumes, but then he ended up doing, having his own salon in Beverly Hills for a really long time. But he would do, periodically oh, wow. would do, um, provide wardrobe for film. So this was one that he did provide. And I did love in the um, synopsis of his biography that he was very good friends with Travis Banton, which I thought was really oh, cool. Oh, that's and awesome. And Travis Banton is um, really, he's sort of one of those early um, costume designers who did beautiful stuff for like Marlena Dietrich. He ended up doing... Yeah. Um, the gowns for Claudette Colbert's Cleopatra. Iconic I looks. mean, beautiful, yeah. beautiful stuff. So 
but he was a bit of a drinker. And mm. apparently uh, Howard Greer and Travis Banton would just hit the town and go nuts and just like they were, they were. Um, oh, to be a fly know, on the they wall. They were just too. When they hung They out. were two queens on the scene and they were living oh, it up Jesus. apparently from what the, from what this book says. So I just, the idea wow. of that is just. Um, amazing can't get enough of that vision <laughs> visual <laughs> and actually it ended up that um, as uh, Travis Banton's career kind of was waning and his mm-hmm. uh, Howard Greer actually was c- concerned about Travis Banton um, and his excessive drinking and his like, lack of mm. a career so he actually took him yeah. on in his salon as a designer and kept his career Whoa. kind of going just sort of as like a kind of like as a friend, a friend. to be like you know yeah. it's like hey we'll take I'll take care of you don't worry or you know just yeah. sort of that kind of like looking out for for your bro you know so Mm -hmm. that was a beautiful story to read as well yeah yeah that is really cool I love when we read stuff like that how like they all kind of either knew each other or like had special friends that were maybe other actors and you know people did kind of have like little tight-knit friend groups and stuff back in the day and it's just it's nice to hear these really endearing stories when we know that it could have it's it can be so harsh and so terrible So, wow. And they created some looks. Mm-hmm. And I I would have loved to have gone to his salon back in the day. Yeah. And looking at some of the work that wow. Howard Greer did in his early career, because he did a lot of silent films, too. He did a lot with, mm-hmm. like, Pola Negri and some early, oh, wow. early, early stuff. So, and that's was when he was, like, deep in it. And, when he, and he was one of the first costume designers for Paramount. And then after that ended... Yeah. Um, after that, and then he kind of just walked away from it because it got to be like he wasn't really feeling that as much. So that's when he's opened his yeah. salon and was very, very successful with it. Yeah. Well, I, you know, what? It, it makes perfect sense that they would have gone to him for uh, Janet Lee's wardrobe because it looks so it's like a very small, uh, tight collection. And this is one of those great movies. And I think we even had talked about this with Vince Rosemary of like repeat wardrobe mm-hmm. because you see her wearing she wears the same hat throughout the whole movie. And she wears, uh, you see her, like, you know, you see her, uh, not not necessarily every dress, but you do see repeats of some of her dresses, like, especially her formal dress and yeah. uh, her outerwear. Um, yeah, and I, I just love that. I love that, you know, and then, he, I mean, my gosh, Robert Mitchell, he literally wears a suit. And when she gives him a tie, he takes it off and just replaces it. Like, he's a minimalist. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. So uh, it's, it's really cool to see this, like, really pared down... Um, wardrobes but to me it makes sense because it's like it gives the impression these are just typical like i would say i don't know lower to middle Mm -hmm. class like working class new yorkers and you know back in the day you you would just you had a very tiny wardrobe but it was nice and you kept it mended and then it's also the holiday time so we saw a lot more outerwear and accessories and scarves and gloves and she has those cute little booty shoes that are like little heels but they kind of are like fur Mm -hmm. oh so cute um, but yeah, I love, I love the, uh, I love me some outerwear and they really delivered in this movie, but yeah, her, her looks are very, uh, normal, yeah. I guess you could say. Um, and, and still have a very 40 silhouette, even though this movie came out in 49. Um, and by then you were starting to really see almost like, like Dior new look had already was starting to yeah. come around, but this movie distinctly looks like a post-war, like, like it might as well be from 46 or 47. Mm-hmm. Because the silhouettes to me are so distinctly 40s. It's not her formal dress looks a little bit more later because, you know, it's got I love that open sweetheart neckline. And um, but she still has those like really strong shoulder. 
She has that classic like midi haircut from the 40s that would have been to me is also great too because that looks like what a normal working mom would have. Like it's not too elaborate. You know, she probably just lightly rolls her hair at night and that calls it a day. Like it looks very like serviceable. Yeah. Um, she looks real. Um, as real as, you know, Hollywood could be. And I love how that sort of even illustrated the real versus not real in like the trains. Yes. <laughs> because I love how it's like they go in and it's like, it's just a movie, guys. Yeah. Like I feel like they kind of, that underlines that at the end. But I thought she looks lovely. She really does. She looks really uh, put together and kind of conservative. Mm -hmm. And you can tell, and you know, I actually like, really love that she's wearing a fur coat too, but it all clearly is yes. fake fur. Like you can tell it, it looks clearly is fake fur. fur. So mm -hmm. you're just like, that makes a yeah. lot of sense that she's. And the silhouette looks more forties than fifties. Mm -hmm. oh, like it's like yeah. she's, her wardrobe looks older. Like, and again, they talk about her kind of being in the past, but I mean, a lot of people probably financially were still living in the past as well. If you, you know, this is still right. like we forget, like the war had a lasting effect on us and, you know, and, and even further in Europe and other places. So it wouldn't have been uncommon to see, you know, people still being like wearing something from 1942 and 1948. Right. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Especially when it comes to outerwear or something you'd only wear seasonally. Exactly. So, well, but I loved mm -hmm. it. I thought it was great. And the suits, I oh, mean, we've, we've talked on. about this is the era for men looking beautiful mm -hmm. in their double breasted suits. And this, I mean, and Robert Even, Mitchum um, knows how to wear like a beautiful <clears throat> hat too, by the way. Those, like, oh, yes. Tall, and the hats, dirty, like, the, the classic uh, fedora. And it's also not just, it's like a fedora you don't even see anymore with a really <laughs> tall crown and like the it's tall really crown. beautiful. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, Robert, these hats, I can't even. So yeah, cool. I think, and that's what's so interesting, the the cut of the suits and then those hats, like it really adds a lot to a man's stature. Mm -hmm. It makes them look bigger and broader um, and just really flattering all around. Uh, no matter what shape or size or height you are, it's just a great flattering silhouette. And um, same thing with the women's clothes at that time. Everything's beautifully tailored, um, even though, uh, you know, yes, there are, I would say in some scenes, it almost feels distracting how bullet bra <laughs> uh, Janet Lee's looks when are. she wears the but sweater. Mind you, but her, she, everything is a jewel neck on her. She is never tits out. Even at the end, or the couple times she's in her formal dress, it has like the sweetheart neck. It feels very chaste. There's not a shadow of cleavage right. going on. And, it, and I feel like you get that from her persona they're definitely giving it not so much that she's like sweet goody goody but she's just not like a tits out girl she has big tits but she's not like she's right. just, she's kind of conservative in style she's really all about being a mom and like you get that impression um that that's she that's that's her focus mm -hmm. and uh and i think it's just really good it's i just yeah it felt as real as a movie could be <laughs> you know I, I I can see where this would have definitely be like a benchmark for like a, a Hallmark movie or something yeah. today because it's got a like the, all these very positive filters yes. on it. Yes, it does. And great exactly. looks. <laughs> um, I did for the bullet bra for if you, you know she, every time she wears a sweater, I'm just like whoa. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Them hoots <Yeah>. is out. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Janet Lee was a very like bust she had a lovely figure and she was built like christina Hendricks. Mm -hmm. i mean she was just very busty but those bullet bras that they had at the time They're... you know just let's just say she filled it out without any yes. problems like a jane russell this, yeah you know the bullet bras were not yeah. meant to be you know not meant to and i think because she underplay. is so <laughs> teet and tiny like she's very very tiny mm. uh and uh but she doesn't come up the way they shoot her and everything and with her figure she comes across you know bigger yeah. 
um, I think. Exactly. But but yeah, but I and her rapport with Timmy was great. He was so good. And I love when he goes to return the train and he talks to Mr. Crowley. <laughs> oh, I was right to say that. Uh, but <laughs> but his suit was really cool. He reminded me of Walt Disney for some yeah, reason. Yeah, he did have so. like a very paternal kind of quality to <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. so cool. And his office was I amazing. Mean, get out of here. Could you, I mean. Full Art Deco Cathedral realness. ceilings. I was like, what <laughs> is happening? With the city view <laughs> and it just was like Jesus so Christ. cool. <laughs> old school yes i love that he's like it's meditation hour you know not it's like what the what come on and then he's like gonna light up a cigarette and just blow smoke in timmy's face and then thinks better of it he's like no no no, wait i'll wait i'll wait so funny oh my goodness um okay dokie did you want me to go ahead and start talking about the the storyline of this movie oh yeah for sure so this is holiday affair from 1949 uh so the film begins with (laughs) connie ennis played by janet lee shopping at crowley's department store in new york city at christmas time she buys a toy train set from the gorgeous steve mason played by robert mitchum uh i mean jesus good god playing with all the children and not in a creepy way just like, like he's so just good. like benevolent it's so yes. hot <laughs> and i love that he's like sprinkling the snow on the train which i'm just like because sometimes asbestos yes exactly yeah, I I can see. Say. it's clearly it's all you know that's asbestos flakes and he's just like sprinkling it on the kids and stuff <laughs> <laughs> yay asbestos look mom fake snow i'm gonna yay. eat it um so on the way to pick up her package she makes a phone call um to her boss and she works as a comparison shopper when she gets home she is greeted by her son timmy played by gordon gebert uh timmy is very excited about the present she brought um, brought home thinking the train is for him after she explains the gift is not for him he goes to bed disappointed um later in the evening connie's boyfriend carl davis played by wendell Corey, swings by and proposes to her once again, she is concerned about Timmy's um, being on board with the new daddy situation. Um, and the next morning, mm-hmm. she returns the package to Crowley's, where she meets Steve Mason again. He clocks her as a comp shopper, and has um, he has to turn her into the store security, um, which will get her banned and thus fired from her job. Uh, she explains that she is a single mother whose husband died in the war. Feeling terrible, Steve doesn't report her and lets her have a refund. The floor manager sees the interaction and fires Steve. Steve ends up meeting up with Connie and explains how she got him fired. As payback, she must go to lunch with him in Central Park. Uh, After lunch, they finish doing her comp shopping, but lose each other in a throng of shoppers. Um, See, Uh, Connie returns home and Carl gives her the old I want to marry me now bit (laughs) again. Um, They are interrupted when Steve Mason shows up. Carl is dismayed when he hears how Connie spent all day with a strange man. (laughs) And um, Timmy throws a fit, causing Carl and Connie to get into a fight with him leaving in a huff. Uh, Steve um, stays behind to mansplain Connie's life to her, which goes (laughs) over as well as could be expected. (laughs) I mean, because these things are so funny. Connie's not having it, girl. I mean, would you? It's like, you know what the problem with you is? (laughs) You can get the fuck out. Um, So um, at dinner on a later evening, Connie suggests that she and Carl get married on New Year's Eve, and Carl gladly accepts. So on Christmas morning, uh, Timmy wakes up to a new train set waiting for him. Connie realizes this must have come from Steve and goes to his hotel to return the money. But he's checked out and she realizes he must be chilling at the park. So despite using all of his money to buy the train um, and also ditching his hotel, rendering him homeless... 
he refuses the money. <laughs> um, in return, she gives um, him a tie that was intended for Carl as a gift. Uh, she, uh, Steve gives his tie to a bum. Um, later, a young girl on roller skates comes back with a gift for Steve from the bum, which was a silver salt and pepper shakers. Do you need to uh, pause for a little bit? <laughs> okay. Nope, nope. Uh, that bang was uh, me trying to lean back in this chair that I is not mine, and I almost fell over. So, <laughs> you guys hear a bang during that? I'm sorry, Philip, and I'm okay. In case you're wondering, okay. I'm fine. Good, okay. good times. <laughs> good, good. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, yep. back to our regularly Onward, scheduled program. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay so connie returns home to timmy and her late husband's parents um with carl not too far behind uh, this is when a police shows up asking connie to the station to sort out a situation with steve so steve is at the police station accused of robbing a man of cash and, and a gift consisting of the salt and pepper shakers he tries to explain that it wasn't him but the bum that committed the crimes and he was given the salt the, sh- um, the shakers by the roller skate girl the police find the whole thing hard to believe and raise eyebrows um, at as to why Connie was in the park on Christmas morning with a man other than her fiance. Uh, since their stories coordinate, they have to let him go. And then Timmy convinces Carl and Connie to let Steve come to Christmas dinner. So at dinner, everyone goes around making speeches, ending in Steve's, where he asks Connie to marry him instead of Carl. Connie asks him to leave. <laughs> um, <laughs> then... Timmy, feeling guilty for Steve's situation, hand carries his train set back to Crowley's department store. The trains end up getting the train ends up getting broken in the elevator, which requires him to weasel his way into Mr. Crowley's office in order to tearfully request mm. a refund. Um, at home, Connie and Carl are beside themselves and calling the popo to help them find the missing child. So he rolls up in Crowley's car and explains where he's been. Connie insists that um, Carl and her go to Steve to return the money for the train. When they arrive at Steve's boarding house, uh, Connie balks at going to see Steve and asks Carl to do it. This is when Carl realizes that Connie's in love with Steve and breaks off the engagement and sends her up to see Steve on her own. Uh, she goes up to see Steve and tells her, um, tells him that, oh wait, where Steve tells her that he's headed for California on the midnight train on New Year's Eve um, and that she needs to move on with her life and stop warning her husband. Uh, this angers uh, Connie and she leaves. On, later on New Year's Eve, when getting ready for a party, Timmy talks to her and is worried that she'll be all alone when he's older and gets married. Uh, Connie realizes that she, uh, he's right and then takes him to meet Steve on the midnight train. They embrace and kiss at midnight. The end. Yay! Yay. Connie and Timmy live happily ever after in Balboa Beach, where Timmy becomes a professional surfer in the 60s and gets all... <laughs> Sorry. Starts his own clothing yeah. line. <laughs> and that clothing line is gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's fun fact uh, that uh, I love that like they have him going to Balboa because they're actually um, I don't live too far away from that. And that is a place where they've been building ships for decades, oh, wow. like um, and some little uh, like or boats, actually boat and some boat famous boat companies uh, have been based there. Hmm. So, well, yeah, it all checks out. <laughs> yeah, it all checks yeah. out. Yeah. So did you have a favorite <laughs> look from this film, Kathleen? 
Well, uh, my favorite look uh, has to be her, I guess it's her one, like her evening dress mm-hmm. that she has with the sweetheart neck. And it's got this, um, it's almost like an embroidered trim that, that goes around it. And we don't really, of course, know what color it is, It's but it's dark and it has these very tight fitting sleeves. And I love the cut of that dress. It's got like a bodice that kind of comes to a V at the waist, and um, but it's very um, fitted and it has the like the classic like 40s kind of A-line from what I can tell, sort of silhouette, and uh, it's not too long. Is that the one she uh, wears, she wears like, on it, Christmas morning? She she does well. She wears it in two different ones. She wears it when she, she asks Carl to get married, mm. and they go out for dinner, and she's wearing it with her beret, her one hat that she. That's what I love too. She wears the same hat throughout the whole movie, and she but she wears that beautiful brooch with it when she goes oh, out. Oh yeah. And and that's pretty much the only piece of jewelry she has aside from her wedding ring that she fidgets with constantly, and I love that that was like a prop for her. I love that that was like a thing that to me, I noticed, I noticed like, especially whenever she would get nervous or she was talking to dudes, she would always be like touching and fidgeting with her ring. Um, But other than that, you just see her with that pretty, like it's kind of costume jewelry, the little brooch that she uses to like jazz up her hat for her nice dinner. And then you, you see her wear that same dress at the end when she has put her hair up. And so she's changed her hairstyle, which FYI, that's a big deal mm-hmm. for a chick. I mean, if when you like, and I love that that's something t- that is definitely symbolic of like, she's been wearing, you get the idea. She's been wearing her hair that, that way since she, you know, was married and had it, you know, um, and her husband was alive and it's like her kind of, I would say almost growing up mm-hmm. or moving on just, and, and, but she's still, she's still her, like she's still in the same dress. She's still Connie. But she is almost in a sense like moving forward and she's putting her hair up and away out, you know, out of the way. And um, um, so I thought that was and she, she looked lovely. So that's kind of my favorite look is in the end, of course, when uh, she's, you know, he gets the telegram on the oh, train yeah. and they run to each other and they hug each other. But then as soon as they like they hug and then they immediately stop and pick up Timmy and they all hug together and it hits you right in the feels because <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> it's really, really um... good. So. Yeah. Um, that one is really cute. It's awesome. I, I, I found an yeah. image of that one. I, it's got like a lace trim around the uh, around the bodice and stuff. It's really it's really yep. cute. Yeah, and it just and her figure. It's absolutely beautiful for her figure because even though she's it's like she's not as bullet bra-y in it. She's a little. It softens her bust line mm-hmm. a little bit, but she's still her figure is just. I mean, she's she's gorgeous, yes. you know, and she looks so cute and sweet and. Um, and, and uh, yeah, I love that part. And then I guess also my other second favorite look would be, again, when Timmy goes to Mr. Crowley <laughs> and his cute little, like, varsity jacket oh, that's like Pony that, Express with the fringe. with the fringe. And his little man pants and his little man shoes with the striped socks and his little, uh, like, sculpted wool cap with the chin strap. Like, I... You're just—he's so it's cute. That kid. He's just so that damn cute. Kid is too adorable. And and his Timmy shirt again, like his Timmy shirt. I'm just it's his so cute. Timmy shirt is the best. So yeah, those are my favorite looks, I guess. <laughs> what about you? I um, really love. I actually, my number one is actually her mother-in-law's dress that she wears. I'm so glad you brought that up. She is so gorgeous. gorgeous. She wears this wonderful like <laughs> gown, and, like and it's got like a brooch, but then it also has like these beautiful mm-hmm. like beaded and sequin like. I'm, I'm like almost ostrich feathers on it. It's got like yes. these ostrich feather motifs, like embroidered or beaded and sequined across the front of it. So she's clearly like dressing up for Christmas dinner and stuff. She's, yes. she's doing, you know, grandma's doing it 
up and she looks so mm-hmm. beautiful and that gown is like really cool like i mean and it's actually like kind of very i think you know young looking for a woman of her age but she really pulls it off i agree you know, she doesn't look no I, I, too much she's got like a modest hairstyle totally. and she's you know but she looks really good and i'm like i would love to i would wear that i thought she looked lovely actually both the grandparents like and we've talked about this before it's like i love that like yeah, the, like they're these older characters, but they have some mm-hmm. looks. Like they look amazing, kind of like in like Meet Me in St. Louis. Yes. We're just like, dude. Yes. Oh my god! Like they ha- they are the ones like their three three piece suit. They're so put together. The hair groomed, everything. And I love that in a way. Like and when he talks about them being together for thirty five years, like that's what I saw. I'm like, oh, you guys are from that area era of like opulence. Yeah. And you can see how it's like that's kind of carried over even through the depression, through everything. They still kind of like they know how to they clean up yes. good. They know how to like you know pull it out. I loved turn her. It out. I loved her look. <laughs> I loved her Christmas look. And then I also yeah. loved um, Janet Lee's look that she wore on Christmas morning. She had like a really beautiful dress um, that morning, which uh, has which had like a asymmetric neck it had one that kind yeah. of went off to the side and had like a brooch with the and brooch then it had a yeah. like a kind of like a um it had just like a straight skirt but it was tiered with like this mm-hmm. like lightly kind of flounced um skirt on it and i've been trying yes. to find a photo of it to post on the um instagram and on the um on the pinterest so that you can see it but i'm not finding a good photo of it I Maybe might we can have to screw some and cap yeah. it. But it's really cute because it's got like tiers of like almost like a light chiffon or a light mm-hmm. crepe or something. So it actually has a decent amount of movement to it. It's actually really beautiful. Um, yeah. And I like the I yeah. like the asymmetrical neck because it's, you know, it's got a, a little bit more interest than just like a basic, you know, you know, symmetrical shape to it. So yeah. I thought that that was really beautiful. Oh, that's cute. I, I thought so too. No. And again, in keeping with her character, it wasn't too low, mm-hmm, but no. like it's still and, and very soft. Um, you know, she just she looked like to me, she felt like a young yeah. mom. You know, it just was really uh, but very put together, you know, ladylike. Um and and kind of just young, like kind of I I wouldn't say even immature. Just like she's somebody who, you know, they talk about like living in the past. She's still sort of living from like she's in a sense uh, of another mm-hmm. time. And then you see her like she, she's kind of move at toward the end of the movie. You see how she's like breaking out of that and moving forward. But it happens naturally, you know, and it happens with her son helping her, you know, like see that as well. Yeah. And I love how they have this, like, you know, which is to me feels very accurate, like a single mom, you know, you're going to be really close to your one kid, your one kid that you had with your husband who died, like, you know, so they, they have a very close relationship, but I feel like, it's a good thing they did hook up with Robert Mitchum because that shit could have got real weird. Yes. <laughs> so it, yes. <laughs> it was dancing on the edge. Yeah, it was going to, it was going to get a little it, like he, as he grew older, it would be very like, you know, yeah, this is, you know, in very, the next three to five years. This may, may pro- be problematic. Well, you so. know, it's almost like if it's pretty much like a force, it could have been the foreshadowing of, you know, with a later psycho? movie that she was in oh. psycho. Oh. Yes. <laughs> you know, mother, no, <laughs> No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nobody's good enough for me, says mother. <laughs> oh, God. Sort of situation. Great. Now you took a beautiful movie and ruined it. 
it's I mean it's um, about to happen. I still love um, this. Movie. It was really um, cute. I actually really loved um I really loved her outerwear that like you were saying, her plaid yes. her wool plaid coat is beautiful. Like it's got this beautiful mm-hmm. like kind of um like staticky plaid. It's not like a straight up just like basic plaid, which is kind of cool. It's yep. a little bit more painterly. Yeah. And I liked um her her short her like fa- faux fur ca- coat, which is looks really cool. Mm-hmm. I loved that one. I thought that was really... it looked very cozy. Her, when yeah, she was her sportswear <laughs> was really nice. Like she had some really good very stuff. Nice. Um, mm-hmm. And there's um and I also really loved the rapport that her and Carl had when they were doing dishes. That was my favorite. One of my yeah. favorite scenes where they were like she was. When, oh, and she's got that cute yes. apron on. I kind of love was, that she apron. She was like hucking the, um, you know, you know, tossing the plates to him, and she, he was catching them. Yeah. And then they had that thing where that she cute. put, she forced him to put the the apron on, and he did that whole thing where he's like, "I remember when you came into the <laughs> came into the agency, and I was worried you weren't gonna hire me." <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. I was just like, that seems so like something that I would do. <laughs> yeah. You know, it just felt so, I don't, it felt, um, you know, felt genuine. It, it felt like two people who've been dating for yes. two years and are comfortable. And, being... and so, yeah, that's what the, there was so many things in this movie that felt very natural mm-hmm. for a fake movie. Yes. Right. You know, like a fake story. And I like that. It made so, everybody um, seem a little bit likable too. I like that. He had a little, very much so. He wasn't too yes. serious. No, Carl wasn't a dick. No, like that's wasn't. what we need to see is like, just because like, I love that in this movie, they show that like they, they didn't work out, but they're still good people. Yes. And I thought that was really wonderful. Um, and, uh, and yeah. And then there's Timmy, yeah. like, cause Timmy's rad. <laughs> Timmy's rad. <laughs> with, his, with his little, he's a rad little, little kid. <laughs> oh, but I love, he's got so much empathy and everything. Like, Oh, he's just so cute. I just love it. Yeah. But you could tell he's, <laughs> he's not, so he's not team Carl the whole time. <laughs> no, he just, it just wasn't like, he thought he was a nice guy, but he just didn't get the dad vibe from yeah. him. Whereas like you, you can just tell like the bonding is instant between him and, and, uh, Robert Mitchum's character and it's so easy breezy and just happens very naturally just like it does with him and Janet Lee it's just like it's really great you know I think they did a great job kids know kids just know kids know know. dude kids know yeah exactly like he knew before his mom knew like she's already like he's he's like mom I'm moving the story forward now okay catch up don't make me parent (laughs) trap you (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Don't make me sneak on that train and just go to Balboa without you. <laughs> he's like, I'm no, I'm not living here yeah, anymore. Like, oh, I hate this cold weather. <laughs> I want to be in flip flops at Christmas. Yes. Oh my goodness! Uh, was there anything else you want to discuss about this movie before we uh, send oh, everyone away to have a wonderful holiday season? This is our I Christmas think we episode, did it. after all. Yeah. I mean, just this movie was so great. I'm thank you guys so much for recommending it. Um, It was so much fun to talk about and um, and watch. And I'll definitely be enjoying it again. And uh, keep the suggestions coming because we we really look forward to doing more uh, requests in the new year. Mm -hmm. And we can't wait. We have so many exciting things planned and so many ideas. And um, and they're all with your help. So thank you and Merry Christmas to everybody and have a happy new year. Um, With that, we'll slide into the social media plugs um, first of all join the Facebook group OHR Podcast Darlings um, D-A-H-L-I-N-G-S 
Um, it's fun and exciting. Everyone's doing, um, we're all chatting over there and yucking it up with each other. It's, Everybody's doing it. <laughs> all the cool kids are doing it. Um, and it's um, adorable. I, that's where I ran the uh, the poll to see what movie we're going to do for Christmas and getting suggestions for 2019 going on there. It's it's awesome. So join that and um, get in the conversation, guys. Get in the mix. Um, we're also regular page on Facebook um, and um, Instagram, Old Hollywood Realness, uh, in Twitter, OHR Podcast. Um, and then you can also email us any thoughts and prayers you might have or stories or you know anything you'd like to talk to us about, oldhollywoodrealness at gmail.com. And you visit our website um, for all your OHR needs, oldhollywoodrealness.com. <laughs> um, we're on Pinterest, so you can follow the we, where we collect all the photos from the movie for references and stuff. And all of that is there. So we're everywhere. Name a social media platform. We're on it. Um, rate, review, and subscribe over on iTunes. We just got a new iTunes review. It's what? yes, it's from a new listener. Um, let me pull it up right now. It's it's very concise, and it's it's a very concise um, review. And I feel like it needs to be read aloud. Let's see. Here we go. It says, "I'm binge listening." Five stars by John Hindergart, aka John Feld. And it says simply, I want more. <laughs> Woo-hoo! Oh my gosh. Thank you. <laughs> nothing nothing better than a short and sweet review. That's all we want. Oh gosh, yes. And thank you guys so much. Those those five star reviews help us they so do. much with getting discovered more and being mm-hmm. in the sort of the algorithms and everything. Exactly. And um and uh, you know, we we're finding our people so uh help help us out and uh and thank you for so much for listening and um we 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 love this we uh, we love you guys thank you so much (laughs) and everyone have a wonderful holiday however you you choose to celebrate that's right okay um and with that thanks for listening to ohr 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 podcast Test, test, beep, boop. Test, test, beep, boop. Boop, boop, beep, boop.